tide is rising as you leave the causeway. The moon is full and the mist that settles over the island gives it a magical, mystical feel. You wander around the ruins of an ancient monastery that shines in the light of the full moon. You notice a silhouette in the moonlight, dressed in what looks like a gown. As you approach the figure, it walks away in the distance. You follow the path that they must have took, which leads to the beach. Suddenly, you hear a loud, repetitive banging noise coming from the rocks on the beach, as if someone is striking something with a hammer. You approach the noise. You see the misty shape of a monk who disappears into the darkness. You have just seen one of the ghosts on Lindisfarne. Welcome to Ghost Tales by the Fireside. In this episode, we visit the sacred island of Lindisfarne, known as the Cradle of Christianity in England, and one of the first places in England to be raided by the Vikings in the 8th century. Lindisfarne, also known as Holy Island, is located a few miles south of the border with Scotland in Northumberland. The small tidal island is 1,000 acres and is around 0.8 miles from the mainland. At low tide, you can access the island via the causeway that was built in 1954, or you can chance the 11th century pilgrim's path which runs over the sand and mudflats and is covered with water at high tide. In the year 593, Ethelthrith was the king of Bernicia until his death in 616. In 604, he became the ruler of neighbouring land, Dera. Ethelthrith was succeeded by Edwin, his wife's brother. Edwin ruled until he was defeated in battle by Cadwellan ap Cadfan, King of the Britons, in 633. The realm was divided after his death. Bernicia was succeeded by Eanthrith, son of Ethelthrith, and Dera was succeeded by Osric, Edwin's cousin. Both reverted to paganism and were both killed by Cadwallon. 634. Cadwallon was the king of the Britons from 625 and was one of the last recorded Celtic Britons to hold substantial lands in eastern Britain. King Ethelthrith had another son, Oswald, born in 604, who was brought up to be king, sent to live in exile on the Scottish island of Iona from 616 after the death of his father. Following the death of his brother, Eanthrith, and Osric in 634, Oswald returned to Northumbria to take back the lands 
as were rightfully his. He defeated Cadwal and reunited the two kingdoms of Bernicia and Dera. King Oswald vowed to reinstate Christianity to England and sent for an Irish monk named Aidan, who he had known from his time in exile on Iona. In 634, a priory was founded on Lindisfarne by Aidan, who remained there as bishop until his death in 651. In his lifetime, Aidan travelled England, spreading the word of Christianity and converting many Anglo-Saxon pagans, including many in Mercia. Aidan was canonised after his death and buried within the abbey in which he founded on Lindisfarne, with some of his relics sent to Glastonbury Abbey. Lindisfarne became known as the cradle of Christianity in England and one of the island's most notable figures is Saint Cuthbert. Cuthbert was born around 634 in Dunbar, which was once part of Northumbria but is now in Scotland. He grew up in Lauderdale near a daughter house of Lindisfarne called Old Maurose Abbey. In his younger years, he may have been in the military. After he saw a vision of St. Aidan on the night that he died, Cuthbert decided that he wanted to become a monk. After placements at several other monasteries, he went on to Lindisfarne in 665 and eventually became bishop in 684. After only two years of being bishop, Cuthbert believed that he was going to die and resigned as bishop and became a hermit. He was known to have performed many miracles during his lifetime, including expelling demons from King Ecthrif's wife, curing a monk of diarrhoea, and once, after praying in the sea, otters surrounded his feet to dry and warm them with their fur and breath. After his death, his remains were buried on Lindisfarne, and it is believed that people were healed from whatever afflictions they were suffering from. In the 9th century, Cuthbert's remains were exhumed and moved to Durham Cathedral after one of the first Viking raids hit England in 793. In 793, a Viking raid on Lindisfarne left it devastated. Many of the monks were either brutally murdered or taken as slaves. Very few managed to escape. This was the start of many more raids across the whole country. And by the year 866, the Danes had taken York. The Anglo-Saxon Chronicle records. In the year fierce, foreboding omens came over the land of the Northumbrians and the wretched people shook. There were excessive whirlwinds. Lightning and fiery dragons were seen flying in the sky. These signs were followed by great famine. And a little after these, that same year, on six Ides of January, the ravaging wretched heathen men destroyed God's church at Lindisfarne. A Northumbrian scholar who served at Charlemagne's court wrote, 
Never before has such terror appeared in Britain, as we have suffered from a pagan race. The heathens poured out the blood of saints in the temple of God, locked dung in the streets. After the Norman conquest of 1066, the Viking raids stopped and William the Conqueror divided England between his barons, with himself ruling as King of England. The first Norman Bishop of Durham, William of St. Calais, re-established the Priory on Lindisfarne as a Benedictine monastery in 1093. Most of the ruins that can be seen today are from this era. In 1536, the Benedictine monastery was abandoned as part of Henry VIII's dissolution of the monasteries. His troops used the remains as a naval store until much of the stone was reused by the Earl of Rutland to build a fort under the instruction of Henry VIII in case of possible invasion from the Scots around 1542. The fort held some of the most technological guns of that time. It was later strengthened during the reign of Elizabeth I, who had the work carried out by Sir Richard Lee, who was a great military engineer for Henry VIII and Elizabeth I. £1,191 was spent on the fort, which would be close to £300,000 in today's money. When James I combined the English and Scottish thrones, there was no need for the defences anymore. During the 18th century, Jacobite rebels occupied the castle for a short time before being captured and imprisoned. They dug their way out and lay in hiding for nine days before making a full escape. The castle served another purpose years later as a Coast Guard's lookout and in 1901, it was purchased by the owner of Country Life magazine, Edward Hudson, who refurbished it in the arts and crafts style. The mystical holy island is steeped in tales of myth, legend, and the supernatural. To local fishermen, the sound or sight of pigs is a sign of oncoming doom. To counteract the foreboding warning, they believe that they should touch something made of silver to ward away danger. A phantom white dog has been seen around the ruins of the Priory and around the castle. Locals claim that the dog jumps down from the castle steps towards people and then runs off. A soldier from the time of the English Civil War has been seen roaming around the castle grounds. It is believed that he was a victim from when the parliamentarians attacked a royalist garrison at the castle. Doors and windows have been known to lock, unlock, open and close when no one is around. A local legend that ties in with an actual historic event in the castle's history is used to explain the phenomena. There were two people who made up the garrison. One being an elderly gunner, who when off duty was a barber. He was tricked when Lancelot Errington, a loyal Jacobite, pretended to be a customer. 
After receiving his shave, he left, but returned later with his nephew, claiming that he had left his keys behind. They held the gunner at pistol point and took over the castle until they were captured and jailed. The elderly gunner may be part of the story of when the Jacobites really did take over the castle for a short time. It is believed that the old gunner still roams the castle, checking that there is no one around that shouldn't be. Saint Cuthbert is believed to have been seen on many parts of the island. The oldest account is from the Saxon king, Alfred the Great, when he was a fugitive on Lindisfarne. He had a vision of Saint Cuthbert, who assured him that all will be well, and that one day he would become the King of England. This visitation inspired him in his fight against the Danes. Saint Cuthbert has also been seen sitting on a rock, near to the shoreline, working his famous Cuddy's beads, which he used as a rosary. Cuddy's beads are round fossils, also known as star lilies, that are sometimes found on the beach. Locals also refer to them as feather stars and are used as lucky charms. Sir Walter Scott wrote a poem titled Marmion in 1806, which includes the following verse about the ghosts of St. Cuthbert. On a rock by Lindisfarne, St. Cuthbert sits and toils to frame the seaborn beads that bear his name. Such tales had Whitby's fishers told, and said the might his shape behold. And here his anvil sound, a deafening clang, a huge dim form, but seen and head when gathering storm, a night were closing ground. Members of the choir who practice at the local parish church believe to have seen the saint's ghost many times when leaving after rehearsal. Many locals say that he can always be seen at high tide when the moon is full. Phantom monks have been seen around the priory and castle. They are believed to be the ghosts of the monks who were murdered during the Viking raid of 793. This podcast will be out monthly and is available on most platforms. I'm Clem Dalloway, and all music, research, writing, production, art and sound effects are all my own work. Please log into the Facebook page at facebook.com forward slash ghost tales podcast, or you can also contact me on Instagram, instagram.com forward slash ghost tales podcast.